I'm Leanna Shields, and you're listening to The Cozy Sleuth. Today, Snoops and Sleuths, I'm chatting with Carol. Could you please say your last name first? Certainly, Pulio. Pulio. Yes, it's French. That is an awesome last name. Thanks. I'm chatting with Carol Pulio about her book, Doorway to Murder and All Things Cozy. Carol, would you like to introduce yourself to my Snoops and Sleuths? Sure. Um, I'm a former French and Spanish teacher. I taught high school for 34 years, and um, I owned a translating agency for 20 years during that time. Uh, we translated uh, written and verbal um, material in about 27 languages. Um, and when I retired, I didn't really have any idea of writing. Uh, it just sort of happened a few years later. So needless to say, I'm no longer retired. <laughs> so now <laughs> I'm writing the Blackwell and Watson time travel mysteries. And I have to say, I loved the Doorway to Murder. I loved oh, the thanks. opening scenes of it. It it had echoes back to one of my favorite authors, Mary Mary Roberts Reinhardt, or I probably butchered that. <laughs> no. Well, that's great. Um, I think I read some of her books a long, long time ago, but your comment makes me want to go back to the library and, <laughs> and get them and see them again. So that would be neat. So is any of your writing inspired by your actual life? Well, it's funny that you asked that question at this particular moment, because yes, that first chapter in Doorway to Murder was my actual life. And oh <laughs> this, yeah, exactly. This is a crazy story. I have never um, heard anybody say that they have experienced something like this. And to be honest, I never told anybody for decades because it was just so bizarre. But since I used it to start my series, I will tell you. So, um, I was 29 years old. I was living alone in my first apartment. I was teaching and it was the middle of the night. It was a school night. I was dead asleep. And all of a sudden in a nanosecond, I woke up fully awake and terrified because I felt somebody in the apartment. Now, if you think that sounds crazy, anybody who lives alone probably would agree that when you're used to living alone, you can feel somebody else there, even when you're sleeping. I mean, when I've had people, um, you know, come stay overnight, you just know somebody's in the house. So anyway, here I am sleeping. And <clears throat> before I even opened my eyes, I was scared. My heart was pounding. Why I didn't have a heart attack, I have no idea. Um, my brain is screaming. I opened my eyes and there was a man standing at my bedroom door. I just about died. Oh. I, I, I didn't know what, to, I froze. I mean, I froze. I, I, I couldn't reach the phone. I, 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 I was trapped in this bedroom. I didn't know what to do. And he stood there looking at me. He sort of peered in and then he stood up, he shook his head, and he walked through the wall. 
oh my God. And I was awake. I mean, this was definitely not a dream. I sat up, I turned on the light and I shook uncontrollably for probably a half hour or so. I still remember him like it was yesterday. 5'10", slender, dark brown hair, um, dark green and brown plaid flannel shirt, kind of like a work shirt, not like cool fashion, um, dark brown pants. And um, so anyway, um, that was the first night. He came back three more nights. Oh my gosh. He walked through the wall. I, I, I wasn't afraid of being physically attacked. And he didn't seem, I, I mean, I didn't have a feeling that, that he was going to hurt me. I, I had a light on in the uh, living room sort of behind him and it kind of caught a little bit, you know, there were shadows of his face and, and, and he just looked confused. And on the fourth night, I thought, well, I, I just got to say something. <laughs> I mean, this is just too strange. So when it happened, I very slowly opened my eyes and I started sitting up and I said, hello, are you real? And he never came back again. So that was that. I never told anybody. And of course, I never forgot it. But over the years, I had the idea that wouldn't it be fun to write a mystery someday? But I always thought, well, that's for other people. You know, I'm just a teacher. What? Uh, how? I don't know how to write books. You know, I mean, I was French and Spanish major. I never even read all the major American or English literature that people know. I mean, I read, you know, <laughs> stuff in French and Spanish. And so I never took my took that those thoughts seriously until after I retired, I had written a couple of um, magazine articles for Victoria magazine. And they wanted more, but they were all very short. And they were trying to get a variety of writers in each issue. And I felt like it wasn't enough. You know, I, I caught the bug, you know, <laughs> when I was sitting there writing those articles, I was like, oh, this is it. You know, I want more, more, more. And so I thought, hey, now's the time to think of a mystery. And when I did, I remembered, you know, the guy and I thought, hey, what if Einstein was right? and time really doesn't exist. Like there's no past, present, future. All time is happening at the same time all around us, but we just can't see it. What if time folded over and I saw that guy in another time? So that, that moment when I thought of that, that was the basis of my whole series. As soon as I thought of that, the guy became Steven I knew him right away. I, all of a sudden, like I knew everything about him. I sort of invented Olivia to, to take my place, you know, in the present day. But as soon as I thought of it, all seven books sorted themselves out in my head. I knew their journey. I know the end. And that was that. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's impressive. Usually well, when I think of a character, they only give me their story one book at a time. 
heck, forget one book at a time, one sentence at a time. Yeah, well, as I'm working on each book, sometimes I, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I, I wonder about that, but yeah, so there you go. So inspired by real life. <laughs> so do you have any advice for those who want to write or write their own mysteries specifically? Um, yeah, actually, um, first of all, I would say never doubt yourself. You'll be amazed at what you can accomplish. Um, secondly, just do it. You know, sit yourself down at that computer or if you're a person who prefers to write things out, just do it because once you start, it will flow. You know, one thing leads to another. And then on a different sort of tactic, I would say you need a community. I, you know, when I started, I, of course, like probably everybody else, you know, I pictured myself. Yeah, I live in the woods in the country and I started writing in the winter. So I, you know, I was this, you know, secluded writer in my house out in the country and the snow was falling and I was by myself writing this book. <laughs> well, it was sort of like came to a screeching halt when I realized I didn't know what I was doing and <laughs> I needed help, you know. So I ended up joining um, Sisters in Crime. That was the best thing I ever did. If somebody is thinking of writing, I would say find your tribe. Join Sisters in Crime, Mystery Writers of America, Romance Writers of America. Um, I think there's a science fiction group, whatever the genre is, join that because eventually, you know, once I did that, I started meeting people, going to workshops, learning the craft, which obviously, you know, you never stop. Um, I found out there were conferences. Who knew there were mystery <laughs> conferences all over the place? I mean, there's a whole mystery community that exists and everybody is like the friendliest people I've ever met. Everybody is so willing to help you. Um, and that that's just invaluable because even beyond the writing, you need people, you need beta readers. Um, you need people to write blurbs. You need people to help with publicity. You need groups and you need a whole support system. You know, it, it, that African expression, it takes a village. It, it, yeah, it does. Yeah. So that's all my advice. <laughs> <laughs> and it's great advice. And I'd like to throw in that even if say you can't afford to join an in-person group, like say Sisters in Crime, go to Facebook. There are tons of communities out there that are, I must be a member of like 50 different ones <laughs> where you can ask questions like, like the strangest things that only a mystery writer would ask. <laughs> like what is, the best poison for getting rid of what? <laughs> you know, that's an excellent point. If for some reason, you know, um, not only money, but, it, you know, maybe you can't travel to any of these places. Of course, last year we all learned all the things we can do without leaving the house. But, but yeah, that's an excellent, excellent point. I didn't take advantage of all these Facebook groups 
until really just within the last year. And I don't belong to as many as you do, but I'm trying to find the time to interact with, you know, a half a dozen anyway. Um, it's time consuming. And it, it it's hard to do that when you're trying to find, you know, as many hours in the day that you can find to write and revise and, you know, have a life and work <laughs> on all the different aspects, help other people, read other people's books, you know. Um, yeah, but that that's a really good point. There are so many free opportunities. Yeah, great. So do you have a favorite character or would you get in trouble with your other characters? <laughs> <laughs> well, of course I love Stephen and Olivia. I mean, they're, they're, <laughs> okay. You know, by the time people finish listening to this, they're going to like, she is wacko. They're real <laughs> to me. They are, you know, and if you ask any writer, especially somebody who's invested in a series, I believe they will tell you the same thing. Oh, I know. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. J.K. Rowling, she said the same thing many times. I mean, she cried when she finished writing the last Harry Potter because she was going to miss them, you know, and I don't think <laughs> I'm at that extreme, but, but yeah, Stephen and Olivia, you know, they have a special place in my heart. Um, I put a little bit of myself into both of them, um, although they're nothing like me, but each of them have bits of me and bits of other people that I know. Um, but I, I think putting them, the two of them aside, I love Jimmy Boo, um, <laughs> Jimmy Bourgogne, who they, they call Jimmy Boo. Um, he's a young, enthusiastic, he's like around 20, 21 years old, um, enthusiastic young, um, officer who just idolizes Stephen. And he has a real gift for police work. And Stephen and the chief have recognized this and they're putting Jimmy on the fast track to become a detective. So Stephen is mentoring him. And Jimmy is just so excited to be in on every aspect of the murder, <laughs> uh, whatever murder they're investigated. And every once in a while, Stephen's like, okay, you're really too excited. This is a murder after all, you know? <laughs> a little sad um but he's um just full of life and enthusiasm and he's funny um sometimes he blurts things out inappropriately um, um i i enjoyed writing his um uh scene where he takes over in doorway to murder he takes over the the briefing and and does it sort of as a vaudeville act <laughs> I, I had fun writing that um, so yeah i think jimmy boo yeah, I think he'd be um, a fun guy to, uh, like the little brother or the kid next door, you know? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and I completely agree with you that the characters tend to become very real to most authors. I mean, like, yeah. for me, it's my, the couple in my Sparks of Suspicion book, Sabia and Bridger. I love every time I get to hang out with them and watch what they're up to. <laughs> yeah, 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 there you go. Yeah, it's true. Well, you know, we invest a lot of time in our characters. I have a file, um, sort of a dossier on, on every one of my characters. You know, I have their birthdays and their addresses. 
um, all their physical characteristics, their favorite expressions, their family, their friends, their history, where they went to school, all their work background, um, favorite drinks and foods, uh, what they're most afraid of, uh, what they want most in life, you know, all that kind of stuff. And when you develop a character like that, and then you start living with them for hours every day, you know, they kind of do become real. Um, I remember when I first start wrote, was writing um, Doorway to Murder, um, it was <clears throat> this one, I walk every day. And normally I walk outside unless it's too hot or too cold, then I go to the mall. So this was a particularly, you know, like 15 degrees in the winter, snowing, whatever kind of day. So I went to the mall and I, while I was walking, I was planning the next scene that I was going to write when I got home. And I walked by Victoria's Secret. And my first thought was, oh, Stephen would be shocked to see that. <laughs> and it occurred to me that I was thinking about him just like I was thinking about, you know, I don't know, some real guy that I knew. <laughs> He's in 34, so obviously Victoria's Secret, you know, window would be a bit shocking for him. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> so what author has most influenced your writing? Well, I have no idea who's influenced me unconsciously, but I know that there are two writers that had something in common that I've tried to uh, emulate. Um, when I was in grad school, I took a course on uh, a French writer called Balzac, and he wrote 80 books that were all connected uh, in, in, in this one you know, major body of work. And in these books, he, he, he created a whole community in Paris to, to, to turn the city into like villages. And all the people were connected, but like in one book, there'd be a main character and then there'd be secondary tertiary characters. In another book, maybe one of the tertiary characters would become the prime character. And I just always thought it was clever how he wove all these people into a community without overdoing it. Deborah Crombie is probably one of my favorite writers now. I, I love her books. I love Martha Grimes as well. But, but Deborah Crombie has created a real community within London. She's got her two main characters but then they each have a sergeant that works with them and, and, and they, they have um, the guy in the cafe and the babysitter and you know the guy's mother and she brings in, it, it's filled in. It doesn't seem sketchy or like an outline. That's something I wanted to do to make Knightsbridge you know, one character in one book, you know, his son shows up in another book or, you know, the, the wife or the coworker or something like that. I haven't, I don't think I've done it as intensely as, you know, Deborah Crombie and certainly not Balzac, but um, I keep it in mind all the time. 
Um, it's a little bit challenging because all the editors I've had so far, like two or three different ones, they've all said, be careful how many characters you create and name <laughs> because that becomes problematic for the reader. But given the fact that I have parallel, you know, two storylines going on in the present day and in 1934, you know, I've got the murder storyline in the investigation, then I have, you know, the friendship between Stephen and Olivia, and then I have Olivia's life in 1934. I mean, I can't let them live in a vacuum. So I have to try to um, you know, create a world around them that is enough, but not overwhelming for the reader. So anyway, um, I, I think that I'm always conscious of how Deborah Crombie has, you know, created her world and what Balzac did. And um, hopefully my books are, you know, full enough with people to seem real. I would say you absolutely achieved that. Oh, wow. Well, thank Having you. read the book, I definitely think you've achieved that. Wow, that's a high compliment. I, <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you very much. So if you and your main character sat down for coffee, what type of coffee drink would they get? <laughs> well, um... I'll pick Olivia. I mean, she and Steven are both kind of equal main characters. Uh, one of the things I gave Olivia was my love for espresso. <laughs> and since I like to drink a lot of coffee, I cannot, you know, just drink, you know, mugs and mugs and mugs of espresso all day. I'd be on the ceiling. So <laughs> I, I sort, I forced myself to have more like an Americano. So uh, Olivia would order either an espresso or an Americano, depending on the time of day and how much more coffee she wants to drink. <laughs> <laughs> she sounds like she'd get along with my character, Sabia. Sabia is a coffee addict. In fact, her favorite place is the town's coffee shop called Sparks that's run by her best friend. <laughs> Terrific. Well, and I decided to make Olivia a little bit of a coffee snob. So the first time that um, when she visits Stephen in 1934 and, you know, they hang out in the kitchen and stuff, when um, I, I'm trying to remember, I think I only have them hanging out together in his kitchen or her kitchen in the evening in Doorway to Murder. And that's when they have tea and Fig Newtons. But in Threshold of Deceit and the, the book that I'm working on now that's coming out in the fall, um, she comes into his time and has breakfast as well and actually spends the day and gets out of the house this time um, in 1934. So the first time she has breakfast with him, she's wondering if his coffee is going to live up to her standards <laughs> because of course in 1934, they're using a percolator. Um, I actually have my grandmother's percolator from the 1930s, these aluminum pots with the uh, basket up on top, you know, they fill with coffee and set on the stove and boil it. Um, and Olivia was pleasantly surprised that Stephen's coffee lives up to her standards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's 
That is so funny. <laughs> How can my snoops and sleuths follow you? Um, a couple of places. Um, I have a Facebook author page. Um, and what I have decided to do with that, in addition to the occasional um, uh, notice about um, an event that's coming up, most of it is, is what I'm thinking about in my mind as pictures from the books. So I'm posting um, pictures of um, things and people in 1934 that Stephen would be interacting with. Um, Knightsbridge is a fictional town that yeah, I just made up, but I have him and his team visit nearby places um, that are real during the investigations. So I put Knightsbridge at the foothills of the Adirondacks, which is upstate New York, um, sort of between Syracuse and the capital, Albany. Um, so I have Stephen and his team, they go to Syracuse, they go to Saratoga, they go to places nearby. So I post pictures of what he would see when he was driving around, um, items that existed back then. Um, so Facebook author page. Um, I started an Instagram account um, not that long ago, but I'm not that good yet with Instagram. I kind of don't really get how it works. I do post things, but um, I, I, I'm not real sure what's going on there yet. Um, most important probably um, would be, I mean, for keeping up on my website, which is just my name, carolpulio.com, um, on my website, I have a sign up for a newsletter and I send a newsletter out on the 13th of every month. And what I started doing in January, um, the newsletter is actually split up in behind the scenes, what's going on with the books, you know, things that like people have told me they had no idea what it took to get a book from your idea to the shelf. So I sort of talk about behind the scenes, what's going on this month with different things. Um, there's also, I, I usually recommend one or two books each month that I read and enjoyed. Um, and what I think is the most fun, and for me, it's been the most fun, I interview my characters. So I interviewed Steven, Olivia, Jimmy Boo. Um, this month, um, Liz and Sophie, Steven, uh, Olivia's best friends. So if somebody would be interested in that, they could always just ask me and I'll send the pr prior issues. They could read those interviews. So yeah, I would say sign up for my newsletter and then we're in touch all the time. And I'll be sure to put the link to your website in the show's notes. Oh, great, thanks. <laughs> oh, I've had so much fun chatting with you. I can't believe we're at the last question. <laughs> went so fast. I, I appreciate this. It's so much fun. Oh, I'm so glad you're having fun. I, I so enjoy when my guests have fun and are willing to chat. <laughs> well, you know, as a writer, you spend so much time alone with your characters <laughs> that it's just wonderful to be able to talk about them, especially to somebody who read the book and liked it. <laughs> I mean, that's like, you know, cream on top of the cake. <laughs> and I did love it. I, I loved everything about it. Like I said, it reminded me of one of my 
favorite authors. <laughs> so well, I'm gonna it's definitely just get some to... of her books for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so what is one complaint your characters would have about you as an author? Well, this is a good question. Um, I think it probably depends on the character because what has happened to me on all three books so far, I started out every, each, each of the three books and I knew who the killer was going to be. And when I got to the end, I changed my mind. <laughs> so I think if you were a character who just, you know, strolled along through the book, you know, I'm having a good time. I didn't do anything. I'm innocent. <laughs> La-di-da. Boom. You're arrested. You're going to jail. You really did it. I think if I were that character, I'd be a bit annoyed. <laughs> um, on the other hand, I think the person who went through the book thinking, or the character who went through the book thinking, oh man, you know, I did this and I did that and I'm such a bad person. And then at the very end, they get a reprieve. They might be annoyed that I made them go through all that misery. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the only thing I can think of right now. Oh, that is, that is so funny because I actually did that in the second book. I set it up for this one person to really look guilty. All of a sudden it's like, wait a minute this character just stepped up as the killer and <laughs> yeah well it's funny because you know I mean I was so sure I knew what I was doing but when you create these characters and you let them do what they do according to their personality and their psyche and, and their ego and all that they surprise you sometimes and <sighs> To, for me, that's that's fun. All of a sudden, I'll be writing, and I go, "Oh my God, he didn't do it!" <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. Actually, one of my favorite quotes I found on Pinterest one day not was I'll just say it was Pinterest. I can't remember one hundred percent where I found it. Was I create the characters, and from then on, I take dictation. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, I have a quote from, um, I think it's Mark Twain. Was it Mark Twain? No, no, it's Robert Frost. Sorry, Robert Frost. I have this quote um, on my desk that says, um, no tears in the writer, no tears in the reader, no surprise in the writer, no surprise in the reader. So that's, you know, I like it when I get surprised because I think, oh, good. Hopefully the readers will be surprised too. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and I completely agree with that quote too. One of my favorite things though is like, like I said, it's like I create the character and then they're telling me the story from the rest, for the rest of the time we're together. Yeah. And with, Sabia, she kind of surprised me with, wait a minute, you set it up this way and <laughs> now you're going to tell me this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm working on the third book and she just now told me when her birthday is. <laughs> oh, too funny. <laughs> too funny. Only because she needed to get a wedding present for Bridger and she ended up getting something with both their birthstones. Ah, and it's like, there you go. 
And all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, you were born in February? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Why funny. Why didn't you tell me that sooner? <laughs> well, you know, and I mean, it's good to, one of the, one of the problems I have is making sure I avoid that information dump that everybody talks about, not to, you know, give all the information that's in my head at one time, but to spread it out, sprinkle it through, you know, um, and, you know, that's something I have to hold myself back. So you did it with the birthday. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have had so much fun talking with you. I can't believe we've We've spent a half hour talking together. It went so fast. I know it did. Thank you so much for, for having me on. Like I said, this was my first podcast and I loved every minute of it. Oh, I'm Thank so you. glad. And you're so welcome. Well, Snoops and Sleuths, you've heard another great interview here on The Cozy Sleuth. I'd like to thank my patrons, Regina, Cozy Cub, Dower Bear, and Patty Paul for their contributions in keeping the show commercial-free and growing. I'd also like to thank my Coffee Clutch for their contributions as well. If you'd like to be like Regina or my fellow podcasters, The Cozy Cub and Dower Bear, join me on my Patreon page at patreon.com slash thecozysleuth. Or you can join my Coffee Clutch on coffee.com slash thecozysleuth. That's ko-fi.com slash the cozy sleuth you can find the links in the show's notes and as always you can find me on twitter at the cozy sleuth and on instagram at the cozy sleuth until next time this is leanna shield saying keep cozy